Hi, I'm Jay Edidin. And I'm Miles Stokes. And you're listening to Hawk Talk. Where we talk hawks. Now, normally, if you were subscribed to this podcast, you'd be listening to an episode of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, a weekly podcast about the ins, outs, retcons, clones, and time travel of comics' greatest superhero soap opera. But uh, once every four weeks, we take a week and uh, we record an entirely unedited, unprepared, unrehearsed, um, unoutlined, unlistenable pile of nonsense that we refer to as Hawk Talk. Um, and they right now, these are these are all rewards for folks who who donated to Equality Florida back in April. Um, so we're, we're still working our way through those. Miles, what are this week's Hawks? Well, thanks to uh, our listener and generous donor, Jindiana Jones, <clears throat> this week's Hawks are comic book advertisements. You're, you're saying advertisements now, but you kept on just saying ads when we were talking about it before, and something about the connection made it sound like you were, talk- you were saying ants, and so I was thinking about comic book ants, and I kind of want to talk about those. Oh, well, I mean, are we talking like A-U-N-T ants or A-N-T-S Both. ants? Both. Are there any ants who are ants? Probably. Probably. I haven't read much Ant-Man, so I bet there are in there. No, I suspect part of why it was hard to understand me. Um, so I, uh, listeners, I work in IT as my day job, as, as some of you probably know. And um, sometimes one of the less glamorous parts of IT is rooting around behind various hardware um, amid vast quantities of dust to find, like, serial numbers and stuff, which was something I was doing today. And I think some of the dust got into my mask, and so I'm having, like, hella dust allergy reactions right now. So if I sound a little different, and if I say ads and you hear ants, uh, that's probably why. I should also mention that if you hear slight clicking, it's because I'm knitting while we record, because in addition to the, all the other ends, our uns hawk talk is unprofessional. I, I And I should emphasize again that um, normally normally what we do is 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 outlined and researched and and edited by a professional. And this is this is just nonsense. So um, oh, if this is your first great. episode, you, you, you may want to look for a different one to start if you want to get a good sense of what our podcast is actually usually like. No, no, it'll be great. Never apologize. That's what I say. I mean, like, unless an actual apology is warranted, in which case, definitely apologize. But I don't think it will be for this one. I'm excited about this topic. Because, yeah, I grew up reading a whole lot of uh, of single-issue floppies. Um, I got a giant pile of them, well, long box of them, for my dad when I was young. I bought them every week and got them uh, before when I got out of Hebrew school every Wednesday for many years. I'm buying them these days. And, um, yes, they are full of ads because capitalism. And some of those ads are varying levels of, of ridiculous. Jay, what's your experience with ads? Because I know you've read uh, some floppies, but you're, you've, um, you didn't have quite the, the long-lived habit that I did in that regard. Yeah, I feel like my experience with ads is primarily in figuring out where they're going to go. Right, from uh, your time as a comic editor. Exactly, yeah. Um, but also... Yeah, I've 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 had yeah you know, little bits of experience with ads across the ages. Obviously, like any responsible reader, I am familiar with the legion of Marvel Hostess fruit pie ads. Oh yes, I I always loved advertisements like that, where they they just figure, look, if we're going to advertise a thing and it's going to be in a comic book, we might as well just have it be comic book stuff going on and have it be just you know self-consciously, self-awarely silly about it. So the fact that the greatest way to defeat a villain is to distract them by feeding them a delicious, flaky Hostess fruit pie, like, that's kind of awesome. And to be fair, Hostess fruit pies, I'm sure they, like, take a month off your life when you eat them, but they are delicious, and no one's paying me to say that. Yeah, I I would not know because they have sunflower oil in them. 
Oh, damn, I'm sorry. Uh, in that case, they're terrible. You'd hate them. Stay stay away. They're, they're not worth it. There's got to be some complex cross-licensing going on there, though, too. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, not the only time they've done that. Like, I remember not that many years ago, um, I think it was Harley Davidson did a similar series of ads for quite a while with Marvel. I've seen that with, like, certain CD releases where, you know, various superheroes are teaming up with bikers or are, ex- like, what some people are watching Spider-Man swing by and they're talking about some new album and then Spider-Man says he's excited about that album too. Like, I don't know how that works. Like, I assume if you're the advertiser, you have to pay more for that sort of thing i assume spider-man's pretty broke so he could probably use the cash you know that is true and interestingly like i've seen spider-man in so many more ads than i've seen anybody else like there are more avengers these days but x-men were were weirdly rare i I guess it's because for so long spider-man was just the face of marvel until the movies and he's one person and he's pretty simple to draw and also he's he's snarky, but like he's not generally all that mean, and so he makes things just, you know, more enjoyable and funny when he's around. Shit, you've frozen completely. I don't know if the recordings are still happening or not. Uh so- and then I was gonna say I don't know if you froze up or if you just didn't know how to respond to me saying that Spider Man wasn't mean. I know you're still frozen in the video on my side. Ah, that's fine. Technical difficulties, listeners, that's why you listen to Hawk Talk. I think this might be the first time this has happened on Hawk Talk. I, I don't know how. We we have so many technical difficulties normally. I mean, recording cross-country is, is complicated. It's fine, though. Uh, but, yeah, so I don't know. I, I have a lot of ads in, in my memory, um, but are there any that, like, jump out as you as super iconic beyond the Hostess Fruit Pie one, which I agree is, like, the most iconic type of comic book ad? I mean, I have always been partial to the classic Golden and Silver Age ads where you could order live animals. I've always thought those were singularly horrifying. Oh, yeah, for real. Yeah, I remember um, a few years back, uh, I was in Florida visiting my dad, and and he and I did an episode, and that's one of the things he talked about, how, like, um, you could you could order these lizards, and a bunch of them would arrive dead, and so they ended up, like, inventing a new type of postal packaging that had holes for that, which he also knows because he had a career as a, uh, a postal worker, in addition to being somebody who grew up on those comics. So They invented um, a new type of postal packaging for comic book lizards? I mean, I think it was for sending animals in general, but from what he described, if I'm remembering this correctly, it's been a few years, like, that was part of the push, and so all, like, all the early batches of comic book mail-order lizards arrive dead, and then they're like, oh, wait, air, fuck. And, like, you know, they had to stack them differently, because even with air holes, the ones sort of in the middle of the big brick of lizard boxes still wouldn't get enough air. Like, it was terrible. Like, I feel terrible for those lizards. The way you described it kind of implied that you'd just be ordering dead lizards. Like, you'd ordered lizards and they'd arrive dead. Basically that, yeah. I'd imagine there was some sort of, like, a, a disclaimer, like, hey man, if your lizards are dead, like, we don't know what to tell you. They just die that's, sometimes. That's your problem? Yeah. yeah, now you got a dead lizard. Maybe you can uh, do something cool with it. Uh, this, is, this is sort of getting into, into let, let's pet the dead camel directions. Let's pet the dead camel! Yay! There's your uh, requisite mystery science uh, reference for the episode, listeners. Yay, um, now we can go home. <laughs> right. Home. Shit. Mm, that's, that's true. So, yeah, I I was thinking about ads, and I had expected um, most of the ads I remembered to be from the 80s, because I read, like, that, that was my formative uh, longbacks of comics, it was all stuff from the 80s. And there are a few. I find a lot more, though, are from the 90s, because I think, like... When I was going through that long box, I was just reading issue after issue after issue, and I, I just sort of skimmed over the ads. But in the 90s, you know, you get your X books for the week, and if you were me at, you know, 13 years old or whatever, you just read them multiple times because they're awesome and they're all you have. 
And so the ads really have a chance to sink in. So how so, susceptible how susceptible were you to those ads at the time? So very. However, I also did not come from a wealthy family at all. And so most of the stuff that was advertised was like not really an option. So I'm thinking, um, I know we've talked about this on the regular show. Do you remember those Marvel ads from the 90s with like the super 90s-tacular Marvel-branded clothes you could buy? Yes, and I did not see those ads for the first time until that stuff was no longer available, and I remain bitter that I cannot get a denim jacket with um, an X-Men cover on the back of it. Oh, for real? Like, those were great. And, you know, it was 90s fashion, so they were like just immensely... Oh, there were jams, there were these incredibly oversized shirts, there were baseball caps that you didn't have to wear sideways, but probably you should wear them sideways, and they were great. And they were, like, you know, black and a lot of bright colors, which, I mean, that actually is still a look I love here in 2022. I was gonna um, say, that's pretty much your aesthetic. It kind of is, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I love that stuff. It's like Metal so, Blend, uh, sorry, Metal Show at the Blacklight Museum. <laughs> That is my aesthetic. Metal show at the Blacklight Museum. You're not wrong. But kind of grunge. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've, you've known me for a long time. Uh, so yes, um, those were incredible. I coveted the shit out of them. But I also didn't know anybody else who got them, uh, so I'm not positive they were real. So I was convinced for a long time that the, you know, send in your box top slash proofs of purchase and cash things, like that you, they never sent you the things. Like, I was it's, never allowed to do them, but I was I was also just dead convinced. And I don't know why I was convinced of this. I don't think anyone ever told me this, but that it was it was just it was just a way for it was a way for people to scam money. OK, so I assume what you mean is that that would make you buy more products to get more proofs of purchase. But the place my brain went initially was, oh, yeah, because it turns out those proofs of purchase are like this incredible energy source. And if they can get enough of them, they can get a death laser and overwrite the planet Earth with the planet like Zartox or whatever. They are. Just, it's their evil plan, yeah. Um, so I've uh, one oh, I thought, time, when you said energy source, I thought you were going to say they ate them. Maybe I mean you you can eat cardboard. Like I don't recommend it, but you you can. Did you ever do that at all? Did you ever do like the proofs of purchase for a cereal toy or something? So uh, I don't know if I ever did exactly that. But one thing I did do, we are tangenting all over the place because Hawk Talk. When I was a kid, I really loved the Ninja Turtles. Like a lot like oh i know the story this is a good story yeah uh in fact i may have told it on the show before i don't know but um i like many a child wanted to invent my own characters but i wanted to see them turned into action figures and so i on a sheet of notebook paper i drew them i I wrote down their names and I, i sent them to playmates toys who did the toys for ninja turtles and um to, I guess to get them to take me more seriously, I don't know if I considered this a bribe or what, I scotch-taped a bunch of my proofs of purchase from Ninja Turtles toys. They were called Pizza Points. Um, and like the bigger toys would come with more uh, to, to the bottom of the page. And I also scotch-taped like all of the coins that I had, like all of my money in the world, which was probably significantly less than a dollar, um, and then mailed that. And uh, to Playmates Toys credit... They sent me back a letter thanking me for my designs and saying that, unfortunately, for legal reasons, they could not uh, they could not use them. Um, but they, I, I had I had like drawn this little dotted line between my bribe and my drawings, and they kept my drawings and they sent back my bribe, my coins, and my pizza points, which I feel like was about the most graceful way you could handle that when you're dealing with an over enthusiastic like eight year old. See, that reminds me of my favorite fan mail story. 
Was this a, a thing when, from your comics editing days? Or? No, this is this is actually Maurice Sendak's fan mail story. The, the best, the best, um, the best thing that the fan interaction he's ever had. Um, just that he he got a letter from from the mother of a young kid who really loved his stuff, and he sent back a sketch for the kid. And the thank you note he got from the mom said, "Thank you so much for the sketch. You know, so and so loved it so much he ate it." <laughs> And he was like, and that is the greatest compliment I have ever received as an artist. You know, I, I can't think of anything better. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, I man. I it speaks well of both the child and Sendak. I, I completely agree. Murray Sendak, from what I can tell, seemed like a pretty delightful human. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Great books, too. Um, but we are talking about comic book ads or ants potentially. Um, well, a lot so, of the ads I remember, I, I remember seeing, you know, I'm talking about the, the, those, again, those old order live animals through the mail ads, but some of them were definitely for ant farms. Uh, that is true. It all comes together. I wonder, I don't know. I feel like ants are maybe a little more, uh, postally durable than lizards are. Maybe not. At least you get a lot of ants. So you're more likely to have something alive. Yeah. You're kind of playing the odds there. The ant odds. You're playing ant roulette. Um, yeah, uh, sea monkeys, of course, were a popular thing. I still right, don't but fully... those come freeze dried. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess freeze drying drying the lizards would not have worked as well, huh? Guess it. Depends I remember on what sea monkey ads, uh, not from comic books. I don't. I don't know where I was seeing them. Maybe highlights for highlights for children have ads. It probably didn't. But I, I remember so. seeing sea monkeys ads as a kid, and and being sort of fascinated with them, but. Also wondering whether they came with like the little crowns and stuff, and then that leading me to conclude that this was probably not exactly what was being advertised. Yeah, some of the sea monkey ads I saw showed actual little monkeys underwater, and so I distrusted the entire enterprise. Well, they had they had the these, the whole anthropomorphized versions of them, which didn't quite look like monkeys, but also definitely didn't look like brine shrimp. No, no, I, I think it should have just been like a super close-up picture of a brine shrimp's face with the word kill under it, and then just an address. That was genius branding, though. I wonder who came up with, with brine shrimp as sea monkeys. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Possibly an actual monkey who lived in the sea and wanted friends. I bet there's a podcast about it. There's a podcast about everything. I mean, shit, there's a podcast about whatever it is we're talking about right now with sea monkeys and pizza points and stuff. Hawks. Hawks, obviously hawks. Um, okay, so ads. So yeah, those those pages that had a bunch of ads were fun. Um, of course, there was always the little comic strip with the kid kicking, getting the sand kicked in his face in front of his girlfriend at the beach, and then he got Charles Atlas's book and got big and strong, and then like punched the guy or something. Uh, those were freaking ubiquitous. That and learning karate, um, which were weirdly never the same ad. I guess the beach isn't a great place to to use karate. Like the the footing's not stable enough, so your stances would get fucked up. I assume. I, I, I don't know. I've never Hard tried to, to do karate on a beach. No. My, I feel like I must have once. We, we both used to take martial arts. I don't know. Yeah, but not on beaches. Typically not on beaches, it's true. Usually um, in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we had beaches in North Carolina. They were just not where we lived. They were really far away. They they were, yes. Um, a lot of those ads also, like, there were so many ads, even full-page ads back in the 80s for... Um, Comic stores, like mail order services at comic book stores. Yes, and they'd have whole inventory lists. They were huge, yeah, just tiny little text. And they would also a lot of the time have, you know, like Iron Man or Spider-Man or Wolverine or Batman or whatever. And I I don't know if they had to get permission for that or if they were just fuck it. Like, they were in the actual comics, so clearly Marvel slash DC didn't really care. 
I mean, before Marvel was Disney and DC was Time Warner, I think they were significantly less litigious. Yeah, yeah, probably true. But that was always fascinating to me. Like, I went to Time Machine 2. That was my my neighborhood comic shop when I was a kid. And, like, I knew other ones existed, but the idea of, of mail-ordering comics just seemed so, like, I don't know, it seemed, like, like too fancy for me. It, I, it seemed like it would be way too expensive, although I suspect it actually was perhaps even cheaper because you were subscribing. Yeah, we started doing that in college, and I remember just both of us being like, well, this is this is kind of sacrilegious of us. Yeah, yeah, going to the comic store is just, I mean, I'm not saying it's always so much of the experience, but I think for both of us, it, it was. When you're searching for specific back issues and you go to a comic store that doesn't specialize in those, your options are really limited. True. Yeah, we got a lot of the New Mutants and Excalibur runs that we fully collected from Mile mm-hmm. High Comics. Um, and, yeah, you know, I think probably even most. Probably even most. To their credit, they made it really easy and the prices weren't bad, so. Yeah. Also, they have like a beaver for a mascot, and that's kind of cool. The comic ads that I'm always going to remember because they they just sort of stuck with me in their weird horror were the ones with an arm coming out of someone's stomach, and I don't remember what they were ads for. What? What are you? What is this? I don't remember this. It was this whole this. thing. It might have been Subway. Oh, oh, not like you know, um, n- not like uh, that one terrifying John Carpenter movie, The Thing, hand coming out of a stomach. No, like, not body horror. No, I mean, kind of body horror, but I don't think it was supposed to be body horror. Okay. You know, there was some weird, surreal shit in the 90s. Like, everything was rad, and rad often meant upsetting and vaguely nauseating. I liked how everything also looked like it was, uh, had, like, little marginal illustrations that looked like they came from the side of a paper cup at the dentist's office. Uh, yeah, yeah, those little, those little patterns, um, and they were sometimes in those same colors. There were some colors. Down triangle and two diagonal lines or something. Exactly. I think those were actually just um, Zaner cards like they use for testing um, paranormal capabilities in parapsychology, and they were just going to see if anybody wrote in to be, you know, like, hey, I, I, I read the side of your ad and I know where the CIA is planning their secret op. I bet people did write in on, about that. Probably. Um, I mean, I maybe not in response to the, the images at the top, but I feel like among among the lots of fan mail you'd get, there's got to be at least some. Uh, yeah, yeah. Having worked at a comics publisher for a decade and a half now, I've certainly seen some examples of unexpected uh, fan mail. It's true. Uh, but yeah, so for me, the ubiquitous '90s thing, which definitely sometimes fit the aesthetic you're describing, was Got Milk ads. There were Got Milk ads fucking everywhere in comics throughout the 90s i guess i guess a lot of our listeners are are not going to be in the specific generation that we're in like jay can you explain what those were they were ads that said got milk and sometimes there was a picture and sometimes it was just the text in huge letters because the dairy industry is powerful and terrible yeah the subtitle was if not you shall perish uh, but yeah, so it, it was got it was like got milk. That was their slogan. But what they would do is they would have different people, or sometimes even characters, like with milk mustaches. You know, like with milk on their upper lips, which uh, like below their nose, which always um, seemed weird to me because I am a person who has been drinking beverages for my entire life, and you have to kind of fuck it up to get that much of it on your face. You know? Yeah, those deeply grossed me out. 
That's the thing, because if you leave them there more than briefly, they're going to start smelling weird. And as somebody with an actual mustache made of mustache, like, getting stuff in there, you know, if if if, it, if your milk mustache and your actual mustache starts to curdle, then you're going to be, like, nauseated until you have a chance to wash your face. Yeah, I agree. Like, those ads did not have the appropriate effect on, on me either. Uh, they, they would sometimes even have it, like, in confusing ways. Like, I don't know if I'm just constructing this, but I vaguely remember one with Iron Man, and there was the milk mustache, but, like, it was on the front of his metal faceplate thing, and that just raised so many questions. Yeah, that does not make a lot of sense. It's probably a white Russian, since it was Tony Stark. It's probably boozy as hell. Uh, was that the right era? Was that the right era for it? <laughs> uh, for, uh, I think the Demon in a Bottle story was in the 70s, so, you know, that would have been in canon. So course, no, because the, the Got Milk um, campaign was the 80s and 90s. Right, I'm just saying, they could have been reaching back to uh, fondly remembered depressing stories. Um, although wow. then again, Wow. Then again, Iron Man, it, it should be noted, until the Iron Man movie, nobody really cared very much about Iron Man. I mean, you know, like, he had his fans, but he was like a, a B-list character at best. I, I would, I wouldn't even say that. C-list, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. F-E-list. Uh... But yeah, that was um the weird no the weirdest one for me was the Phantom like the pulp uh character the pulp radio drama character the Phantom with the yeah, purple outfit yeah that comic strip he's got he's he's still got an ongoing comic strip yeah um but it, it was him with a milk mustache and I don't know I just was upset he looked so smug but he had a milk mustache I'm like why are you smug you fuck wipe your face off ghost that walks I'll punch you in your face and leave a mark of my ring but then I'll have milk on my fist and I'll be grossed out don't punch the Phantom in the face he hits real hard. Yeah, that wouldn't go well. I, I, I wouldn't stand up for even, like, a, a millisecond against that guy, even if he did have a milk mustache that was distracting him. Mm. What were we talking about? Right, ads. Ads. Okay. Ads and comics. Ants. Ads and ants. Yes. Um. So, in the 90s, you you remember being weirded out by that um that arm out of the stomach thing that sounded like body horror to me initially? Mm. Um. What What scared me, there was this ad for a movie called Fire in the Sky. Uh-huh. I've never day, heard of that. I, I've never seen it. I don't know what it's about. I think I heard that um, Robert Patrick was in it in an interview I was reading with him as a romantic lead, which is confusing because... Was was it the sequel to Smoke on the Water? Uh, I assume, yes, in the same way that uh, 28 Days Later was the sequel to the Sandra Bullock vehicle, 28 Days. Right. Um, things went really bad after the ending credits of 28 Days, it turns out. Um but yeah, so Fire in the Sky, like, I think it was about an alien abduction. That was the implication. But there was just something about the ambiguous image of, like, light coming from the sky. I don't even know if I'm remembering this right that terrified me. Like, I would I would be up at night in bed just thinking about that. And the fact that I knew nothing at all about it and the ad kept coming out. Like, they were advertising it really heavily for a little while in comics. Just, like, it it, it just dominated my, my attempts to get to sleep for a... a notable period of time wow i don't know if i should actually like see it to i don't know dispel that childhood fear or if that would just be a letdown should make a new one based on what you imagined it to be oh kind of like those uh turkish movies where they could only import the american trailers and had to sort of figure it out and film the rest exactly like those oh man turkish fire in the sky except not turkish just miles fire in the sky i don't know how to yeah. make movies i mean you don't know what this one's about anyway. I, I feel like you, you could you could get, you know, some stick figures on popsicle sticks and an iPhone and put in a decent effort. 
Probably. I don't think I could really convey the sheer terror that young Miles experienced, though. You could just scream a lot. I mean, I do like screaming, it's true. Oh, but yeah, there were there were ads for so many things. Like in the nineties they were targeted well. Um the video game ads, I oh. There, there were so many games I wanted to check out, um, and so many I did. Like, uh, Final Fantasy had some ads in there. Fucking loved Final Fantasy back in the day. Did you Did you find out about it via the ads? Uh, no, no, that was that was totally through friends. But like, when Final Fantasy VI, which they were calling three in America at the time, was about to come out, and there were ads, I was so excited, and that just got me more and more hyped up to buy that on day one. I'm still thinking about the the, the weird stomach arm ads, and I'm pretty sure some of them were drawn by Sergio Aragones. Whoa. Sergio Aragonis of, like, Grew the Wanderer and Mad Magazine. Yes. I love that guy. I swear I'm not making this up. I... All right, I mean, I think it would be against the spirit of Hawk Talk to look it up while we're recording, but we should totally look that up later and see if you're right. For sure. Or or we should wait until a listener inevitably emails us and is like, well, it was actually this ad for this specific product that ran from year X to year Y, and I know because I am an expert in this remarkably specific field because our listeners are amazing and i know because i was that person who had an arm coming out of their stomach it yeah. was just a photograph uh. <laughs> i no, am true the wanderer. yes you're the wanderer uh, if you're listening please get in touch with us i always liked Drew the wanderer's comics they were fun yes um the things told the, by sergio aragones generally are uh, it's true, yeah. The video game ad that I was always super curious about, I didn't play it because I think it was for the Sega Genesis, and I just had a Super Nintendo. I definitely was not in one of those families that could afford more than one video game console. Um, but it was called Comics Zone, Comics with an X, which would lead you to think it was like, you know, old school underground comics and, you know, was kind of porny or violent. No, that, that wasn't the case. Are Crumb the video game? Uh, a lot of big butts in that game. Um, no, so in this Comics Zone, the main character had sunglasses and a long blonde ponytail and was wearing, like, an open, sh- like, Hawaiian or possibly flannel shirt over a t-shirt. It was, like, the most 90s damn thing. I bet his name was Kevin. I have no evidence. I just assume his name was Kevin. Uh, but, yeah, the the idea was, like, he was in a comic book world and, like, you could see the panels and stuff. And I think maybe you could interact with, like, the comic book elements of the game to, like, help him get through things. I never actually played it, but it seemed like a really cool premise. Man, that makes me want there to be a really good She-Hulk game. Oh, yeah, that would be incredible. I mean, Jennifer Walters is a fun character, but, like, the way she does the fourth wall breaking, it's it's just so, I don't know, like, gentle, maybe, compared to the way that, say, Deadpool does. But you could have that, and you could have, like, chunks of Phoenix, uh, Phoenix, Phoenix Wright. I can words. Phoenix Wright-style style courtroom scenes. I mean, that would actually be amazing. Like, I know that video games cost way too goddamn much these days because everyone wants to just make these big AAA games, but I would love to see just a super chill, low-key game like that. I feel like some characters really lend themselves to weirdo, low-budget stuff, and she is one of them. Yeah. Man, I'm really excited about that TV show, I gotta say. Like, the first trailer looked pretty good. The second trailer looks great. Also, um, what's-her-face from from The Good Place is going to be Titania, the professional wrestler supervillain. Wait, who from The Good Place? Uh, Jamil, I don't remember her her full name, um, but Tahani, the the tall lady. It's it's Tahani al-Jamil is the character's name. Oh, well, I, that case, apparently I don't know the actress's name at all. But yes, she's playing Titania. Good. Well, it's Tatiana Maslany. 
as uh, as She Hulk, yeah, yes. So Tatiana which is and awesome. Titania, huh? Never thought about that. Uh, but anyway, we we digress because that has nothing to do with with comic book ads. Um, but I'm I mean, really I'm sure there have been it. ads somewhere for stuff. You know that that's the thing. I don't actually see many comics ads these days. I suspect you don't as well for the same reason. Like when I buy comics, I do buy floppies because I get an employee discount at the, the the company store, basically. Um, but then I just use the digital codes that Marvel always gives you and get a digital copy because I vastly prefer reading digitally these days instead of having to like page through comics, which I know that's blasphemy for some people. I, I apologize if I've offended your, your sensibilities, gentle listeners. Sounds um, like someone those... owns an iPad, which I do not. Uh, it also works really well on like a big monitor. I have a big secondary display. Um, uh, see, which, I'm just using a laptop, and I I I do read digitally primarily now, and I hate it. Oh yeah, yeah, a, a laptop screen like it's it's the wrong orientation for a small screen mm-hmm. to work. Wrong size. Yeah, um, especially with that stupid comicsology comicsology browser debacle. Yeah. Ugh. But uh, one of the upsides of reading digitally is well, upsides kind of is that the ads aren't there. And so the only ads I tend to really see these days are the ones that are on the backs of comics, because I'll have stacks of comics as I'm, like, filing them. And the main one I've seen a lot of lately is these ads for this super expensive watch, but they have superheroes on them, like, wearing the watch. So, like, Captain America throwing a shield but wearing this fancy watch, or Thor flying in the sky with lightning everywhere wearing this watch? Which seems a little out of character, I gotta say. Given that there are superheroes who are known for being ostentatiously wealthy, it seems like they're making some strange choices. Right. Like, I mean, maybe there is an Iron Man one, I don't know. I just remember seeing the Thor one, and as a noted Thor fan, I was like, okay. Now, I'm not saying you have to have Thor be, like, an ignorant Luddite who doesn't understand technology, but he just doesn't strike me as a fancy wristwatch kind of guy. I mean, he's probably famous enough that people give him fancy stuff in hopes that he'll be seen wearing it. I guess that's true. I guess, you know, I never think about that, yeah. Um, but yeah, these days, uh, ads are, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're fine. I, I don't really know enough about them. I, I debated looking through a bunch of recent comics to find them, but, um, then it was Hawk Talk and we try not to prepare too much, so I didn't. At all. Yeah. And also, I feel like it's important to talk about our experience with comic book ads. And like- You know, the watch ad is making me think I would love to see a comparison of the target demographics of ads in comics over the years. Oh, that's a really good point. Because yeah, like if you look at those old ads from say the the sixties and and seventies, I guess I'm more familiar with the seventies. Like they really did seem targeted largely toward kids. Yeah, the people who are buying premium wristwatches are not the people who are mail ordering lizards, right? Or who are like selling that newspaper grit to get enough points to buy themselves like a new bike or something. To buy themselves a handful of gravel. To buy themselves a handful of gravel that they can throw in front of somebody else's bike so that they can steal their sales. I, I just really love the idea of the prize for selling grit being grit. <laughs> yup. Uh, it just takes me back to, to UHF with the kid that wins the marble and his prize is he gets to drink from the fire hose. Yes! Yay! And then he just flies off screen. UHF yeah. is such an underappreciated classic. God, that's an amazing movie. It really is, yeah. I bet there were ads for UHF in comics. I haven't seen any, but that just seems like a natural fit, you know? It was it was really over-advertised, and then it came out the same weekend as E.T., Oh, I feel so bad for Weird Al. I mean, he's been through some some tragic stuff in general. I guess that's not the worst thing, but still, no. still, that's that's sad. Yes. Uh, yeah. No ads for movies. Um, ads for, for for me though, it is the video games that I remember. Like they advertised the shit out of the Spider-Man game Maximum Carnage for the Super Nintendo. They advertised um 
Spider-Man and the X-Men in Arcade's Revenge a lot. I really wanted to play that one. And, like, I just... Games were expensive, and I just yeah. never got it. I, I guess I can emulate it now. I don't know. Going back to old Super Nintendo games, if you've never played them the, without the nostalgia factor, it doesn't always work out. Hmm. I mean, that's that's kind of true of going back to anything. Kind of. I mean, I feel like going back to old, at least old Bronze Age comics, they tend to hold up pretty well, but also you and I are super goddamn biased in that regard, so maybe we don't get to have opinions. You know, I think it depends a ton on what you're reading and why. Um, going back to them because you expect them to be brilliant, I think does get you set up for disappointment a lot of the time. Um, going back to them because you're interested in where the stuff you love comes from, your your expectations are going to be much broader, and I think much more easily satisfied yeah yeah i suppose but i mean you know that said like uh old claremont x-men totally freaking holds up i guess though looking back at it i mean a lot of it's a lot of it's kind of silly by today's standards certainly a lot of the bronze age is just bonkers i mean captain america and magneto fighting over the world's tiniest man that was a bronze age story not a silver age story yep i mean it's jack kirby so it looks silver age but but yeah so yeah, for me, really, really, most of my memories are are '90s ads. Um, but yeah, they were just ever present. But I'm curious about something, Jay. You were talking about being familiar with ad placement in editing yeah. comics. I'd love to hear you talk more about that. So, there are obvious rules to ad placement. And there are different ways that ads can be placed, and there are different numbers of ads that can be placed. And generally, the two things you want to look out for are two page spreads and not breaking those up because that's a dick move. And um, basically spacing them if you can, and if you're doing deliberate ad placement, um, about where you would commercial breaks. So cliffhangers, clear beats, stuff like that. I remember for a while, I don't know if they still are, but for a while DC was doing this thing where they would actually have pages that were half like comic story panels and half ads. Say, oh, like, Jesus, I remember that. That was horrible. Yeah, I was going to say, is there any way that that could possibly work? No. Okay, so we agree. Yeah, it seemed awful to me. Like, I wasn't a big DC reader, so I didn't encounter this very often, but but man, that's just... That's ugh. the way they do ad placement in hell in comic books. <laughs> no, that, that, that seems right. Um, ugh, I hate it. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think now, in terms of two-page ads versus single-page ads, you know... Well, it's, it's not two-page ads versus single-page ads. It's... Well, actually, how many pages of advertising varies, but it's usually either two pages or four pages because you want to have an entire, either entire page or an entire sheet. It's worth oh. so that it doesn't fuck up the story. So you go directly from what's intended as a uh, verso page to what's intended as a recto page. Oh, okay, interesting. In terms of just the order of things, yeah. I guess that makes sense, yeah. I Because um, you don't want to fuck up page turns. No, no, that that seems like a, a cardinal sin of, of comics page ordering. And, you know, one of the things that that stupid new comicsology thing in the web browser totally screws up all the time. Well, Along with so everything else. But, you know, talking about two-page things, one of, I don't, I think this was just a page ad, I could just be misremembering it as larger than life, but back in the 80s, there was this thing that was advertised all the time. I don't even remember what it was called, but it was kind of like a fantasy board game, like a sword and sorcery board game with, like, barbarian-looking art on the cover. But the gimmick was that there was a VHS tape in the box. And so, like, you'd, you'd get to different parts of the game, and you'd fast-forward to, you know, 
the six minute and 20 second mark to see like the wizard taunt you or whatever. Like Fistful of Bullets. Wait, what? From Community. Uh, oh, yes, yes, exactly like that. Yes, Community did have an episode about that. I feel like there were also, um, was there like a a dating board game geared toward girls back in the 80s or 90s where like you would watch sort of dating intro videos from hot boys and then the game would sort of proceed from and to there? Bold of you to assume that I was invited to slumber parties. Oh, well, yeah, I, I wasn't invited to, to those slumber parties. Which I'm yeah, kind of I mean, there, were, there were definitely there was definitely one where where there were like fake phone calls, phone recordings. Oh yeah, and they'd be like, "Hello, name a player." I'm no, pretty hot. They would not so be like, you. "Hello, name a player." They would be they they did not have that degree of personalization. Oh well, that's kind of unfortunate. Well, okay, it's fortunate, but still, damn it. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but I you are totally right. It would be fascinating to see demographics that ads have targeted over the years because certainly comics have become a more grown-up medium i mean in terms of intended audience like they're way too expensive for kids to buy a whole bunch these days yeah which is i I mean i i blame the collect i largely blame the collector boom for that yeah in the 90s Mm -hmm. totally because yeah early 90s was definitely like those were still ads geared toward kids and maybe teenagers i feel like they were geared less toward teenagers and more to kids who kind of wanted to be more like teenagers yeah and you know what teenagers do right they own Uh, lizards they own lizards dead lizards freeze-dried dead lizards from the middle of the lizard box brick